<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now! What up though? My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is the 73rd episode, Episodia 73 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. How the hell is everyone doing? As we've made it to the middle of the month of April, WrestleMania is in the rear view. I'll talk about the retro review in a second, but first and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of y'all every single week and all over the place for supporting this show. Let me also give you a heads up right now as we are doing this podcast. 
there's some construction going on outside of the studio here. So you're gonna hear some things in the background. It's gonna be a little bit noisier than you're used to. We're gonna power through that because, well, got a lot of shit to talk to you and I wanna get this out of the way as soon as possible. So first and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support of the show on all the different podcast platforms. Let me rattle them off because there's a lot of them now. We're talking about Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as it's also known as. We're talking about Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, of course, at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. Google Play is also into the party. Audio Boom, thank you very much for all your support. And as I've noted, we also are on the TuneIn app. You can get that. Just simply go to whether it's on the app store or your phone. Just simply look up the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N, and you can get us on there. And of course, the two newest editions, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Also, if you're on Spotify, I have actually created my first music playlist. It's a big one because, you know, well, you know, and I figured why not? Just simply, if I'm going to do it, let's do it big. It's called The Mind of J. Scott Smith. It's all hip-hop. It's very not safe for work, so I suggest you put the headphones on when you're listening to this or listening to it in the car or at the gym or on road trips. It's The Mind of J. Scott Smith. So when you add JSC Radio, also look up The Mind of J. Scott Smith, and you can follow that podcast on Spotify, and you can find out exactly what I'm rolling with, and you can roll with me. So thank you. Damn it, thank you. Be sure to support the Patreon page, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. And, and don't be afraid to hit up the mothership. That would be jscottsmith.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. You can follow the show at JSC Radio. And I want to throw a shout out real quick before I finally get into this thing. I want to throw a shout out to ouramericana.com, Our dash americana.com as this show has been featured on their two pods a day campaign that's right they're introducing you to two podcasts a day and i'm on that list for april 12th so be sure to check out our americana you can get the review of jsc radio you can check out it has episode 45 the infamous cult of personality episodes plus a couple of other ones they wanted to highlight i want to thank those guys for doing that for me i really Really appreciate it and getting it out there. And also, be sure to check out In Poor Taste. That's a podcast that's featured alongside mine in the story. So show them some support as well and get out here and support all of us podcasters who don't have these major companies bankrolling the hell out of us. Some of us has just got to do this for the dolo. And we got to do it the hard way and climb and scratch and claw and grind. And this is what I've been doing for what will now be the 73rd episode of this damn thing. And yeah, WrestleMania. WrestleMania, damn it, was just this past weekend. Now, you're wondering, because I know those of you who heard this last episode a couple weeks ago, last week was wild. That's why I wasn't able to get you a show. It's rare that I'm going to miss a week these days. The reason you might be wondering, yo, Jay, you told us we were getting a WrestleMania episode, but it was going to be a retro review of WrestleMania 14. Where the hell's the retro review? Where the fuck's the retro review, Jay? Where the fuck is Wallace? Where's Wallace, Trey? Where's the retro review? Well, let me explain. Retro reviews take a while to put together. And when you've been as busy as I've been suddenly lately, it takes a little time to throw these things together. Episode 74, which will be next week, will be the retro review of WrestleMania 14 to close out the four-part run. The next retro review after that 
is going to be disconnected from those four, but it'll be in the same calendar year. There'll be more of that coming up at the end of this show here. But yeah, if you're wondering where the hell's the retro review, the retro review is coming. It'll just be coming next week. I'm going to make you wait for it just a little bit longer. Because right now, instead of talking about WrestleMania 14, I'm here to talk about WrestleMania 34. And I will say this. A lot of the pro wrestling podcasts have talked about this. Oh, yes, and this is definitely pro wrestling. The next couple of episodes are going to be getting deep into the squared circle. The pro wrestling media, pro wrestling podcast world has been talking about WrestleMania 34. The good, the bad, and a little bit of the ugly of it all. I'm not going to sit here and review the whole damn thing. It's a five-hour main card. Five hours. It started at 7 p.m. Eastern. Did not end till just after midnight Eastern time. That's bananas. There's no way I'm going to talk about all that. That's just not going to happen. But what we are going to do is the overall mania experience has changed drastically. And for the good. It's it's really a full week now. Not counting, of course, the go-home episodes of Raw and SmackDown and, and NXT. And then, yes, I'll get to NXT TakeOver as well in this episode. But to really look at WrestleMania, it's not just simply a wrestling event. One of the things I get a kick out of every year when WrestleMania comes around is you see all the people who grew up as wrestling fans, who don't follow WWF slash E like they used to. They don't understand how it started to boom in the indies with Ring of Honor and with with PWG and and New Japan and all these different smaller little independents that are floating around here. And yes, even the former Impact Wrestling TNA. And by the way, Kurt Angle, savagery, absolute savagery on Monday Night Raw. We appreciate that. And the thing is, WrestleMania itself is not just simply a wrestling pay-per-view. It's a full gang event. And I'm here for it. It's a whole weekend now. Whether it's the Hall of Fame, to NXT TakeOver, to WrestleMania. This year, WrestleMania 34. Next year, WrestleMania 35, which will be in New Jersey, not New York. I don't understand why... You just had a WrestleMania out here. What was it, 29? That's five years ago. You just had WrestleMania 29 out here at the Meadowlands. You're not in New York. So unless you're suddenly going to try to figure out a way to put WrestleMania in either Yankee Stadium or City Field, stop saying it's in New York. It's not. I don't know how it's going to happen with NXT TakeOver, considering normally they do TakeOver Brooklyn before SummerSlam. So I'm not sure if next year TakeOver Brooklyn is going to be held WrestleMania weekend and you just put it all in one gigantic bow or whether you do what I would think and that would be put TakeOver in one of two places. You either put TakeOver in the Manhattan Center, but with the way that the TakeOver crowd is, that's too small. Or my idea is simply to have WWF slash E go back to its roots, put down a little extra coin, and you hold NXT TakeOver during WrestleMania weekend next year at Madison Square Garden. Do it big. Make it historic. Have it with the old school entrance where they come through the little double doors walking through where the press table is during Knicks games. Have them walk straight in. Do it. Do it big. 
But WrestleMania weekend has turned into this big ass thing. And I really like that. And I see it a lot this time of year. The people who were not big wrestling fans now, but grew up with it, they come back to the fold. And yes, you see it on Twitter with the smarmy douchebags who try to turn up their nose and, ugh, how can you watch wrestling? Don't you know it's not real? Yeah, we know. And by the way, if you're going to take the snooty, don't you know it's not real approach, you best not do it on a Twitter timeline where all you talk about are shows like The Walking Dead or if you talk about reality TV. Because if you talk about reality TV or The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones and you try to turn your nose up at pro wrestling, I'm going to put you heavily on blast. Or if you're one of these snooty ass old sports writers who, by the way, a lot of sports writers are huge wrestling fans. A lot of sports personalities are massively huge pro wrestling fans. So if you're one of those two or three boring individuals who want to turn your nose up at those of us who watch pro wrestling as if you're better than us, sorry, dude. Oh, don't you know it's fake? Um, yeah. We still watch it. Don't you know Game of Thrones ain't real? You still watch it. I mean, 70-some-odd thousand people are in the Superdome watching this. So uh, clearly we, we know it's okay. Have a little fun. Pull the stick from your keister. Thank you. WrestleMania is fun. Pro wrestling is fun for the most part. There are some things I wanted to highlight from WrestleMania 34. Because again, I'm not giving you a full review. There are plenty of places to get full reviews. There's Post Wrestling with John and Way. They give you a hell of a review. I know Jim Cornette is even going to talk about WrestleMania 34 from a different perspective. I'm here to give you a few of the little nuggets of some of the things I enjoy. Now, you heard it in the intro. That was Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon. That match with Ronda, Ronda Rousey teaming with Kurt Angle, who it should be noted that Kurt Angle was wrestling in his first WrestleMania match since losing the big gold belt at WrestleMania 22 12 years ago. This is his first WrestleMania match. He left for TNA later in the year, did not come back to last year, didn't wrestle when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. But this is his first WrestleMania match in 12 years against Triple H and Stephanie. It's like everything had to go right for that match to be really good. And I knew Ronda Rousey was a hell of an athlete. And she always had the body language, the charisma when she was in UFC. That she, once she got down that aisle and once she got into the ring and once she got in there, you knew she could have it. But holy shit. I didn't think she had it like that as a pro wrestler. One of the funniest moments of the night, of course, as you heard, there was Corey Graves yelling, call the cops. Call the cops! When Ronda got at, got her ass in the ring and got her hands on Stephanie, who talked way too much shit for a woman who's not that good in the ring. And she got ragdolled for about 90% of her time in there. Ronda not only looked believable, it looked like she was a natural at this. And that's stunning to me. I've seen UFC guys and, and MMA fighters make the jump to pro wrestling. Or maybe in the case of Ken Shamrock, the jump back to pro wrestling. And Ken Shamrock and Kurt Angle are always going to be the two guys you think of. Dan Severn being another one. But Dan Severn was a pro wrestler before he was an MMA fighter. But when you think of those two guys, that's the measuring stick. She could either be Kurt Angle or Ken Shamrock. 
or she could be Tank Abbott. You're not quite sure what you were going to get. Bobby Lashley is another good example, but Bobby Lashley was a pro wrestler before he went to MMA. She could be one or the other. And she looks like she's going to be a lot closer to Kurt and Ken Shamrock than Tank Abbott because Ronda looked magnificent. Watching her in there, between her mastery of her moves, because she's only going to get better. She's really only going to get better in the ring over time. But if you can work on her promos, like actually on a live microphone where she can't swear, because that's a lot of things about Brock Lesnar. You forget Brock Lesnar's an amazing promo when he's actually able to say whatever the hell it is he wants to say. If you can get Ronda some work on the mic, man, listen, there is a legitimate chance that WrestleMania 35 has the first ever show closing women's match. Actual main event. You know, unless Vince is still trying to do let's get Roman Reigns over part five. I'll talk about him in a second. But who would Ronda be facing in a match like that? It would be one Charlotte Flair. Now, I know, I know what happened on SmackDown. That aside, because she's going to get that belt back. But having seen what happened at WrestleMania, the biggest story of the night may not have been Ronda Rousey. It was Charlotte Flair doing this to the previously undefeated, unstoppable Asuka. And Charlotte trying to figure out how do you beat Asuka. I'm beginning to believe that Charlotte Flair came oh, into this match as an underdog. Snap into the figure four. Trying to bridge into the figure right, and yes, she does. It's locked in. Figure eight, but one arm. The left arm, the injured left arm of Charlotte. Charlotte unable to post on her injured shoulder, but Asuka still riding in pain. This is incredible by the queen. The queen pulling her out. Oh, oh, my God. He's over. Here is your winner, and still the SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. Asuka tapping out popped me and shocked me at the same time because I just knew when Charlotte was going to bridge out of that into the figure eight that either her arm would give or Asuka would find some way to kick her out of the move and finish her off. But she tapped. And it ended, as did the streak. And it cemented Charlotte Flair as the alpha woman. She was the ace. It was her. It's That's it. That is all. That was her. She did it. And I was shocked. Everybody was shocked. It wasn't Brock beating Taker at WrestleMania 30 shocking, but it was pretty damn close. And instantly, the the gears in my head started turning toward 35. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey. It's got to happen. And Charlotte, she's going to get the belt back. Whether it's on SmackDown or Raw, she's getting the belt back at some point. And that's going to set that whole thing up. But Ronda and Charlotte, for whichever world title, needs to be closing WrestleMania 35. And yes, you can still do Ronda versus Asuka. Hell, It's either going to be Asuka or Charlotte who gets that belt back off of Carmella anyway. So the grown-ups can go back to actually doing what they do with the championship. You're going to need to get that belt back to Charlotte. Even if Asuka has a run with it. Or something wacky happens along the way. 
And yes, you can still get Ronda Rousey versus Asuka at some point. Initially, that was what I felt the end game of this was, was Streak versus Ronda. That we finally found the person who could take out Asuka. Turned out they found her and they had her already. But Charlotte versus Asuka was stunning. Seeing Charlotte Flair hitting Spanish flies off the top rope. If you know anything about how her dad was when he would climb his ass up onto a top rope where he could never get that spot to work correctly. And meanwhile, here is his daughter, this his statuesque daughter hitting Spanish flies like she's like she's Cedric Alexander or Rey Mysterio Jr. What the hell? Asuka out here doing the doing the business for and this, that was that was a key. We've gone from the days of Trish Stratus versus Christy Hemi. We've gone from the days of Playboy Bunny pillow fights and the and, and the Budweiser girls and and bra and panty matches all the way till you can say without any sort of hesitation that two women could close WrestleMania next year, not three years, five years, next fucking year. It's unreal. And I love it, to be honest with you, because it adds a different dimension. I've always been big on women's wrestling being taken seriously and being treated seriously. Not the bullshit that WWF slash E was doing with the divas. Hated that for years. And a lot of those girls hated that, too. And now they're getting their just due. And yeah, it's not just Charlotte and Ronda. It's all different women in that company. But they're the ones who stand out the most. Charlotte, Ronda, Asuka. It's those three. And then maybe a fourth might be potentially Sasha Banks or Ember Moon or eventually when she comes up from NXT, Shayna Baszler. And that's going to be something special when Baszler and Ronda get up there together and Baszler turns on her. But that's another conversation for another day. Another thing about WrestleMania 34, the biggest match of the night or the one that I was actually looking forward to the most out of anything was the WWE Championship match with AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. And when I looked at that match, that was the one that everybody was looking toward for a whole damn calendar year, really two years. Just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to finally get AJ and Shinsuke. And the one thing that just struck me, aside from the match being somewhat disappointing, because it's kind of odd that you're going to suddenly run a heel turn angle like you're starting a trilogy of matches at WrestleMania when normally... That's where it ends. And it could be a trilogy. It could be four of them. Generally, these, t- these things tend to come in threes. So what, are you going to start the trilogy at WrestleMania and what, end it next year at WrestleMania? Like, when do you have AJ and Shinsuke do it again for real? Do you have them do it again at SummerSlam? You're not going to put them on some off-brand pay-per-view like Backlash. You don't have a King of the Ring to go to anymore. So what are you going to do? You're going to wait till SummerSlam? You're going to drag it out for a few months? Maybe you might actually build the damn thing. You want to know what really got my gears and burned my ass about that match? It wasn't just the fact that the match was rather disappointing. It's the fact that they gave it such a shit build. It was such the opposite of a match we're going to talk about in the second half of this show with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa that this was a match that people should have been ready for for years. And basically, it's almost like they just rested on their laurels that, oh, it's going to be a dream match. That's it. And it especially burned my ass when I find out that late Thursday night and into Friday, WWE put out a whole documentary on Shinsuke Nakamura. An entire first-person, they called it Chronicle, first-person account following Shinsuke from the moment he won the Royal Rumble all the way to the go-home show of SmackDown the week before. 
This was something that they were taping and they had in the can for the last two damn months. They had a full rack of AJ Styles videos and photos and outtakes and interviews racked up for the last two damn months. And they did none of it. How much of it did you see on SmackDown? None of it. They didn't hype arguably their most money match. They didn't hype it. They basically hyped the damn thing the night before. And it's not even one of those things where I can blame the production crew. Anybody who's watched anything that WWE produces knows they have one of the best production crews and production facilities on the planet. But to have done such a disservice to a match of this caliber that when you go back and watch some of the old WrestleManias, and I'm going to make it a point of this when I do the retro review on 14. When you look back at some of the all-time great WrestleMania matches, it was all about the build. Hogan and Andre was about the build. Hogan and Savage was about a year-long build. Hogan and Warrior was about a build, albeit it was only two months, but it was a hell of a build. Austin and Brett was a hell of a build. Brett and Shawn for the lat for the uh, not the ladder match. Brett and Shawn for the for the Iron Man match was a hell of a build. Hell, Shawn and and Razor for the ladder match at WrestleMania 10. One of the all-time great builds for a WrestleMania match was Austin and Rock at WrestleMania 17, where they had the infamous My Way video with Limp Biscuit. That might have been the greatest promo video of all time for a pro wrestling match. To give that sort of production facility, which over the years has gotten better and better and better, the ability to follow Shinsuke Nakamura around with full-on subtitles, and you get to know this man's story, you get to know where this man came from, that it wasn't just simply he was in Japan, he was the IWGP world champion. You get to know this shit about him. And to a lesser extent, it was like that with Asuka and Charlotte. They were following Asuka around and letting her speak in full Japanese giving us subtitles and an inlet, a look into her life, and they didn't hype it. They dropped it all in one big dump on the website and on YouTube and on the network on a, on a Thursday night before WrestleMania. They dropped the Chronicle thing on the network after the Hall of Fame late on a Friday night when nobody's going to can see it. Most people didn't even know it was there until Saturday afternoon. What the f- WWE? Seriously. How do, why, why do you pay those people all that money and have all that footage if you're not going to just chop it up? Just give me a three-minute segment on SmackDown every week. Three to five-minute segment on SmackDown. That bullshit time you're wasting on crap like the, like the fashion police and the New Day throwing pancakes all over the damn place, you could actually use to hype up your world title match that's been years in the making. Good Lord. Oh, but we got plenty of videos and plenty of hype for that for that thing that ended the show with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Can we finally mercifully put an end to the quest to get Roman Reigns over as this superhero babyface? Roman Reigns is not Hulk Hogan. Roman Reigns is not John Cena. Roman Reigns is not Bret Hart. He's not Shawn Michaels. He's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's none of these. He's not AJ Styles. Can we stop with this? He's not Brock Lesnar. He's not Bill Goldberg. Can we stop with this? He's not Randy Savage. He's none of these things. 
He's he's very good in the ring. He's he's, he's I, I'm going I'm going to give him that. He's very good in the ring. He is, and when he's allowed to be what essentially he is, which is I hate to keep harping on this, kind of a douchebag heel, kind of a kind of a cool heel. Roman Reigns has a lot of Kevin Nash in him. The more I start to see it, maybe that's why it irritates me so much, because it makes me think of how. Vince pushed Kevin Nash during the mid-90s, and then how WCW essentially pushed Kevin Nash late in his run before the whole damn company collapsed. Roman Reigns is not that that guy. He is a guy. He is not the guy. And their in, just insistence on forcing this guy down everybody's throats, despite the fact that he lost. He took a surprising L at the hands of Brock Lesnar in a match that the crowd had checked out on from the moment that the intros started. They checked out on this. Do us a favor. Turn him heel or shove him down the card. If you turn him heel, you might be able to make it work. But this whole thing, they missed their opportunity in that Royal Rumble in 2014 to make a superhero out of him. Because by that following year, it was fait accompli, and it was over. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns would have been better suited to have gone two hours earlier than it did. It was similar to Goldberg and Lesnar from last year, which worked perfectly because of its placement in the damn card. A match like that needed to go in the middle of the night, middle of the show, and and that's it. But instead, you wanted to run it after Braun Strowman and a 10-year-old boy, the 10-year-old son of referee John Cone, won the tag team titles, only to then relinquish them the following night. You wanted to run that. You wanted to have that. And that's what you got. That's what you get. Roman and Brock was, meh. You basically killed Roman's, I mean, you basically killed the F5. You have Roman kicking out of five F5s when most dudes don't kick out of one. Hulk Hogan didn't kick out of the F5. Samoa Joe. Braun Strowman doesn't kick out of the F5. But I'm supposed to believe that Roman Reigns can kick out of five of those motherfuckers. He didn't kick out of a sixth. So you basically murdered Brock's finish. You made Roman look like a bigger goober. You basically pissed off your fans at the end of a long-ass show. What the f***, man? Come on. WWE... They get so many things right. And coming up after this break, I'm going to talk about something they got very right during WrestleMania weekend. It's NXT TakeOver. Because this is becoming a thing with them where they have this amazing show where if you're an old school wrestling fan like me, if you're somebody who's into wrestling really feeling real per se then you need to get on the WWE Network and watch NXT TakeOver New Orleans as well as a few others. We'll talk about that coming up after this break. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 73rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. Still riding in pain. This is incredible by the Queen. The Queen pulling her over. Oh, my God. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. 
Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Man, do I love car night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This is JSC Radio. Cole trying to sap the strength out of Killian Dane! Wow! A Vader bomb with Cole on his back! Sullivan has feasted on his competition. Like tourists feast on poi boy sandwiches. Oh my God! Talk about turning a negative into a positive! Ricochet is the gif that keeps on giving! Oh, but Ricochet didn't miss that right hand, popping it like a cork! Velveteen Dream! My God! A rolling Death Valley driver on the ladder! Have to go to a hardware store. Are there one nearby because these ladders are being treated well like the superstars are treating each other. Dane picking up Adam Cole! My God! There are no words! Black has to put Almas back in. Oh, there's Selena Vega off the apron! Oh, and this time, Vega sends Black into the ring steps! Advantage Almas! Doing a good job of evading the offense! What a strike by Andrade San Almas! Man, almost caught Black with the point of the elbow, Percy. Well said. Oh, wow. Hammerlock DDT. Almost spikes Black. Oh, Black kicks out. Black kicks out. Black's title hopes remain alive in New Orleans. Vegas interrupted many times, and she tried to do it right there this time. Black with the Black Mass. Black Mass. New NXT Champion! Mauro Ranallo is a national damn treasure. Just listen to the energy. Go find you something in your life that you love as much as Mauro Ranallo loves calling pro wrestling and pro boxing and MMA. This is the 73rd episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. J. Scott Smith here. Welcome back. Listen to the sounds of Doc Gillensworth in your ears as well on this WrestleMania 34, really WrestleMania weekend redux. Don't worry, like I said, you'll get your retro review next week. Want to once again thank all of you who support me on the Twitter machine at J. Scott Smith. That's J A Y S C O two T's. 
S-M-I-T-H. JSC TV will be coming back in the next couple of weeks. We're getting that everything is getting revamped at RVN TV, but still support RVN TV. That's rvntv.tv. RVN TV has been the home of JSC TV and it will continue to be every Saturday morning as we get later on into the spring and the summer. And of course, be sure to support the Patreon page, patreon.com slash JSC Radio. And the show is now on every major podcast provider, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And don't forget the Mind of J. Scott Smith playlist, which is exclusively on Spotify. So get on there and check that out right now. Yeah, that man that you heard to start this segment. Also want to shout out my man Doc Illingsworth, of course, because all these beats you hear go to Illingsworth.com or go on to Bandcamp. Just simply go to Bandcamp, look up Doc Illingsworth, and you can get all of his new shit. There you go. Now we get into this. You just heard that man, Mauro Ranallo, calling NXT TakeOver New Orleans. There aren't too many better fits for a product than Mauro Ranallo and NXT. NXT is everything I loved about pro wrestling as a kid meshed with everything I loved about pro wrestling as a teenager and a college student all crammed into one that show whatever the hell it is you know what NXT takeover is not a show it's an experience and when Wrestlemania is up here in the Northeast next year assuming I'm still living in the Northeast next year gotta be there I don't care if they're going to hold it in Newark. I don't give a damn if they hold it at Barclays. I've already suggested they need to have the damn thing at Madison Square Garden. Wherever they have it, takeover is happening. Got to be there. Got to see it. Got to see that first and foremost, firsthand. I was so envious that I wasn't there back in January for takeover Philadelphia, where a guy we're about to talk about had what seemed to be the benchmark for match of the year. And it seemed like nobody was going to catch it. So, of course, what does he do? He goes out and matches the damn thing. There were so many great things about NXT TakeOver New Orleans. From the North American Championship match, which is essentially their Intercontinental Championship, their U.S. title, their television championship. I wanted it to be the television title, and then you could tie all the lineage to WCW. But, hey, North American works, too, because at one point there was an NWA North American Heavyweight Championship. So, you had the North American championship decided in that insane ladder match at that absurd ladder match it's like I can't do this whole show justice because I'm not going to be able to have time to review everything but just go on the WWE network and go watch take over New Orleans for three things really for for three particular things watch it for the whole damn thing but three particular things the ladder match the NXT title match and by god Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, the unsanctioned street fight of a match, the barn burner of a match. The only way Johnny Gargano could top being Johnny Gargano in Philly is by being Johnny Gargano in New Orleans with his perfect tag team partner in every way, shape, or form. And yes, I know the irony of calling Tommaso Ciampa his tag team partner now, but there is no other guy that could have done that kind of a match with him. Having seen Almas have that amazing title match, Tommaso Ciampa is that that's his Lex Luthor. That's his Joker. That, that, that just think about every supervillain you can think of. That's his Killmonger. That's who Ciampa is. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa 
for everything that WWE did wrong in putting together AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, they did everything right with Gargano and Champa. This is something that had been building for like a year and a half, and it started at the Cruiserweight Classic where the two of those guys were paired together while they were still a tag team at that point. They were still DIY at that point. They're paired together. They have this monster match during the Cruiserweight Classic, arguably one of the two or three best matches of that whole damn tournament were those two guys. And it came down to a crazy point late where Ciampa looked like he wanted to put away Johnny, but he had a moment of remorse, and Johnny ends up beating him. And he held on to that. It became a thing, a full-blown thing, when they lost the tag team championships to the Authors of Pain. And then they had the amazing rematch where they just came up painfully short. And they were getting serenaded because everybody assumed they were on their way up. But in fact, they weren't. Plus, Ciampa got hurt in that match and blew his ACL which only added more to the intrigue. And it all—it kind of unintentionally started this trope of Johnny Gargano being unable to survive the end of a damn takeover because Ciampa throws him into the boards after saying, this is my moment, beats the brakes off of him, and then he's gone for almost a year because of that knee injury, and it added intrigue to it. So Gargano goes out on its own, on his own, and starts to, you know become this superstar singles wrestler that you knew he was great on the indies, but he's turned into the modern day Ricky Steamboat on NXT and got the world title shot with Almas. The incredible five-star match here in Philadelphia back in January that Almas ended up winning. Almas ends up losing the world title to Aleister Black in another incredible match at TakeOver that I, I don't have the time to talk about it, but the way that match ended, holy shit. But he loses, and then just as Gargano is soaking in all the love from the crowd, who he came so close, and he had that amazing match, just couldn't come up and finish it. Here comes Tommaso to smash him with the damn crutch and then take him out just when he seemed like he was at his highest point. And then they go back to Atlanta and NXT, and he gets taken out in a rematch against Almas where he's about to win the title. The ref is taken out, and here comes Champa out of the crowd, holding a crutch, smashes him. Almas pins him, and Johnny's done. Loser leaves town. But he comes back, and he forces everybody to basically say, all right, you want to come back, you have to beat him. You get one shot, unsanctioned match. It tells the story in so many ways, and so many elements of it built up to that insane match and the heat and the hatred that was on Tommaso Ciampa taking out one again Gargano was basically Ricky Steamboat he's one of the most beloved baby faces you'll have Gargano was Steamboat Gargano was Brian Danielson aka Daniel Bryan and by the way big ups on his comeback at Wrestlemania but for God's sake Johnny Gargano being taken out made Tommaso Ciampa legit one of the most hated damn men in pro wrestling and it wasn't even close how despised he was just listen to Ciampa's introduction because by the time he got to New Orleans the heat was at hell levels I hadn't really heard heat like this on a guy who was trying to be a heel in years years just listen to this introducing first from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, weighing in at 210 pounds, Tommaso Ciampa! 
322 days ago. He turned his back on his tag team partner and his best friend. And yes, those chants are exactly what you think you heard. And I'm sure somewhere, somehow in the back, somebody, whether it's Triple H or one of the merchandising people or somebody is trying to figure out a way to convince Vince McMahon to allow NXT to start running a line of Gu Champa t-shirts. Because I can guarantee you, those would sell like crazy. Tommaso Ciampa Final form Tommaso Ciampa, final form Vegeta Tommaso Ciampa is maybe the best Tommaso Ciampa. He is the guy that needs to be Johnny Gargano's foil and vice versa just for that. Because then the place explodes when Johnny's music comes on. Just pops crazy. The first time I heard Johnny's new new music when he split up with Tommaso, I immediately said that is going to become maybe the most popular theme song in NXT. And if they ever call him up, it's the most popular theme song on Raw or SmackDown or 205 Live or wherever the hell they send him. It would be magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. So the match jumps off. It's violent. It's mean. It's nasty. You have the, you have the spot where Ciampa is, is deposited right into the lap. Well, not, not Ciampa Gargano is deposited right in the lap of Mauro Ranallo and Percy Watson. And by the way, I, I give Percy grief. This dude has gotten a hell of a lot better on that color on the color commentary side. A hell of a lot better. He's he's still kind of goofy, but he's not terrible like Byron Saxon or David Otunga. He's he's in fact I'd say he's about on par with Booker T when Booker actually took it seriously. I really I, I really dig where Percy has gone. He's still not the greatest. And he's still pretty annoying with some of his catchphrases and some of his duh Percy moments. But Percy does a hell of a job live. He does a lot better job live than he does taped. So it, it, that does help. And being around Morrow and Nigel has helped him a lot too. So you have the match go to the floor. You have him end up on tables. You have Ciampa take part of the table off and suplex Gargano onto it. You have the old school 
lifting up the padding on the floor to expose the concrete, a la so many different guys back in the territory days. Hulk Hogan did that to Andre the Giant. All this, exposing exposing concrete, only to have it get reversed, and Gargano powerbombs him on the concrete, and it maybe had the single greatest you-deserve-it chant there is. You have the multiple near-falls, the near-tap-outs, including where Gargano appears to have Ciampa beat in the Gargano escape, only for Ciampa to find his own dirty way out of it. The referee cannot break it, and Ciampa is still in the clutches of the Gargano escape. Oh, and I love spicy Mauro. Mauro, Mauro Ronaldo getting hella spicy with that sadistic son of a bitch. What a sadistic son of a bitch. Oh, God, that was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. And it built to the fever pitch where finally, in the end, Johnny Gargano has broken this crutch that Tommaso has used to wear his ass out for the better part of the year. He breaks the crutch and it looks like he's about to jam it into Tommaso's head. But he stops, and suddenly, just like the Cruiserweight Classic match, Johnny sits down next to him, feeling a moment of remorse, a moment of sorrow, where it almost seemed like the two guys were just like, why the hell are we doing this? Why the hell are we doing this? We're boys. And he sits down, and it looks like he's going to try to reason with Tommaso. And then, as he takes his eye off the ball for one second, Tommaso, who's already removed the giant knee brace that was on his leg, he grabs the knee brace and tries to slap the shit out of Gargano with it. Gargano sees it coming, ducks, first goes for the Gargano escape, then switches over into an STF, the move that's best used by John Cena, except he grabs the damn knee brace for leverage and puts it across Ciampa's face, and that's how we got here. Ciampa met in the opening round of the Cruiserweight Classic. There was a moment in that match where Ciampa had an opportunity to put away Gargano in similar fashion. He refused to do so. It cost him the match. And now... Is he having mercy on I can't believe what I'm seeing here. Here's the thing. This is what great long-term booking with the right guys gets you. It gets you moments like that. Whenever some simpleton talks that, don't you know it's fake bullshit to them, you slap him upside the head with a match like that. 
You couldn't have told the 20,000 people in the New Orleans arena, because I refuse to call it by the corporate name. You couldn't have told the 20,000 people in that arena that that shit wasn't real. Johnny's reaction was like that of somebody who just won a major sporting event. The reaction, the eruption, the, the energy, not just in the building, but wherever you were watching it, that was palpable. That was real. And it was built to perfection. And bravo to Tommaso Ciampa because he just became the biggest and best damn heel there is in pro wrestling, or at least in WWE. It's magnificent. And here's the cool thing about that match. It's timeless. You could have had a match like that 10 years ago. You could have had a match like that 15, 20 years ago, and it would have worked because of how it was built, how it came together, and the two guys, plus a little shout-out to the referee, Drake Younger, who he played a role in this because he was the ref who counted Johnny out in the rematch against Almas. And he said he felt guilty, but he stayed out of it. It was, I mean, he even wore a different shirt. He didn't even wear the zebra stripes. It was a big ass deal. And to have that match come during WrestleMania weekend, it was the type of match where if it had been on a WrestleMania card, it would have gone into the conversation with Austin and Brett. It would have gone into the conversation with Savage and Steamboat. It would have gone into the conversation with Taker and Shawn Michaels. That's how good that match was. If that were a WrestleMania match, it would have bumped the second TLC match out of my top five. And I wouldn't have known where to slot it because I couldn't say affirmatively that it's number four. Johnny Gargano is called Johnny Wrestling. He needs to change his nickname to Johnny Five Star. He's done the unthinkable. He's gotten me, a dyed-in-the-wool Detroiter, to actually root for someone from the city of Cleveland. For Christ's sake, we finally found somebody worth rooting for in that godforsaken city. Big up to everyone who was in NXT TakeOver. That whole show was magnificent. But those last two matches, the title match and Gargano and Ciampa, I put that up against just about any major pay-per-view of the last five years. Ten years, really. It was that damn good. And when WWE wants to do something right, damn it, they get it right. Now, the next time, you're going to get a match like Shinsuke and AJ. Build the damn thing. My name is J. Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Adopt and don't buy, by the way. The Retro Review, episode 74. It's coming next week for all you savages. And then it's another milestone with episode 75. But until then, goodbye, everybody. Oh, my God. Talk about turning a negative into a positive. Ricochet is the gif that keeps on giving. Check it out. It's JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. 
when you aren't using it? Be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.